as a new investor, before you do anything else, get to know who you are as an investor. You need to determine who you are, your business is, and you need to apply your vantage point on life to how you plan on doing business in real estate. Before we get into today's episode, I want to mention today's best ever partner and give you a free gift. And that partner is Fun That Flip, and they're going to be giving you a free deal analysis spreadsheet. You know who Fun That Flip is, don't you? Because you're a loyal best ever listener. They've been a sponsor on the show. Matt Rodak, the founder of Fun That Flip, has been on the podcast multiple times, giving us his insight on the online lending process. Fun That Flip provides fast, reliable funding for your house flip projects. They're an online platform, makes the application process entirely easy, and they've got a whole bunch of experts on their team who can help you get funding in 24 hours and close within as few as seven days. And all of you best ever listeners, you're getting a free spreadsheet to help you analyze your projects. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. That's fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever, and you'll get a free deal analysis tool. It'll help you provide a scope of work for your projects, create the scope of work, analyze the profitability of the project, or if it's not profitable, you need to know that too, and make a determination on the max purchase price. Super important. You can print out all the detailed reports. And that will help you get your deals funded faster. Go to fundnetflip.com forward slash best ever. Get that free analysis tool, fundnetflip.com forward slash best ever. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate podcast. We don't get into any fluffy stuff. We only talk about the best advice that moves your real estate investing business forward. With us today, Megan McCollum. How you doing, Megan? I'm great, Joe. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Nice to have you on the show. And after reading your bio, I was like, oh, I can't wait to interview her. Listen to this best ever listener. She began investing in 2012 and went full-time in 2016. She will have nearly 250000 gross rental income if she buys nothing else. I assume that is annual. Is that correct? It is annual, yeah. That is annual. She has 18 units, a mix of single-family and multifamily outside of D.C., Chicago, and the Quad Cities, which you'll have to educate me. What are the Quad Cities? The Quad Cities is a region in Western Illinois and Eastern Iowa around the Davenport, Rock Island, Bettendorf, and Moline cities. And that includes a number of other cities outside of there regionally. Population for everything is about right around a half million people. But the cities individually are, Davenport's our largest city, just above 100,000. And then we have our smaller cities there now moving outwardly. Geneseo is currently the, the little town I live in, and we've got about 6,600 people strong. <laughs> and it's a quaint little town. I like to think of it as our little Hallmark town. Like when you watch all the Christmas movies, we're pretty much every one of those cities. So. <laughs> That's a great way to describe it. I have it pictured in my head. So Megan, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your focus right now? Sure. Growing up, I was an athlete my whole life. I played two collegiate sports. I was a women's professional football player. We won a championship. And professionally, I've spent the past 14 years as a firefighter, finally made it up to deputy chief, and realized that it was time for a change in my life. Luckily, I had kind of house hacked my way into being a landlord, real estate investor, just from moving around. I've never sold a property in my life. 
So every time I've moved, I've gained a new rental property. And that was just extra income on the side. And as a firefighter, it's a huge bonus that allows you to do a lot more in your life, travel, not have to worry about day-to-day expenses. And once I'd walked away from the career itself, I had decided that real estate's my future. Real estate has been picking at me for years. And before I even bought my first rental income property, which was my first house after I got married, I'd been looking at the market for three and a half years. So that was right when everything was diving. And I got to know every block, every street, every house, I would say on the north side of Chicago, because that's originally where I'm from, all the way out to the suburbs, because that's where I went out to high school. So I had a really big, big farm and three and a half years to start learning about real estate investing. And then as a firefighter, I was an educator. So kind of combining all of what I think I am, you know, between an athlete, firefighter, and educator, I've rolled all those life experiences into real estate investing itself, and I love what I do. I read that you started investing in 2012. Is that when you bought your first place that you moved into and then eventually kept when you moved somewhere else? Yes. I moved from a condo once upon a time ago, real quick flashback. 2005, I took off to Kuwait firefighting overseas. And when I returned, I had a pocket full of cash, which is really what got me jump-started in real estate. And I bought my first condo with cash. It was the worst purchase I've ever made. <laughs> yeah, Chicago 2007, go figure. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. I, I'm selling it. Yeah, I'm selling it later this month. and I'll be taking a $30,000 hit on it still. So I thought I was getting a steal, and it was definitely not a deal. So after we moved out of the condo, I moved into a two-flat duplex in Evanston, Illinois. And we still own it, and I love it, and it's been our baby, our cash cow. But that's when I first really became a landlord because I had someone living above me in our duplex, and I was managing then the condo because I had immediately rented that out for a lot more than I thought I was going to be able to get for it. So once I get my first renter into the condo, I was like, wow, you can make a ton of money doing this, and it's easy. A lot easier than firefighting on a regular basis. So it started the bug. And then I was like, well, how do we buy our next one? And luckily I didn't buy anything for a while. It took another two years until we moved to the DC area and bought a house, but very picky again, wanted to buy a house that what if we move back, we could rent out and renovate and all that. So that got us our four units once we moved back to Geneseo, Illinois. So because the, the house was a duplex as well? Or no, you had the condo. Okay, you had the condo and then the two flat, the duplex, so that's three, and then the house in DC, that's four. Yeah, so we had those to start. So when I walked away from the firefighting career, it was kind of like, okay, well, we have these four. It can keep us afloat for a bit, and we'll have to eat into some of our savings. But if I do this fast enough and I do this right and I do my risk evaluation and I plan, we can do this and we can do this faster and faster. And so a lot of the way I looked at it, I looked at real estate investing, one, through the glasses of loving real estate and totally it being something I've always been passionate about. And the risk analysis that I used pretty much as a firefighter, I was paramedic. So I'm doing everything from that perspective. Mm -hmm. And then realizing I also had to build a team. As I started doing it, I was like, this seems so natural and so easy. So for me, real estate, it just came as like a second language that I spoke before and just picked it right back up. You had four units when you left DC and what year was that? 2015. Wow. 2015. So in two years, you've got 14 units. Tell us the story of how you got these 14 in the last two years. Well, I started out investing or saving, some of which came from 
my mom passed and she left us some money and she was always the first real estate investing partner I wanted. And that was actually what we were going to do together. That was my plan for moving forward in real estate investing before she passed. So we took the money and started looking at the best way to invest it. Mm -hmm. So I took the money and we'd buy a piece of rental property. We'd renovate it. We'd rent it out. We'd refinance out of it, cash out of the property, and then roll it into the next one. So we were buying multifamily units, triplex, and then a couple single families, and then a duplex, and a couple more single families, another duplex, and I moved again. So I bought another house for ourselves. We moved out of our last one, and then we rented that to somebody else. So using that strategy, we've been able to keep going and not run out of money and really build a lot of great relationships with local banks here, being in a small town. And networking with a lot of other investors who've been in the area for a longer period of time. They've really driven me in the direction of finding the right banks for the right loans. So buying, renovating, renting out, then doing a cash out refinance on the new appraised value, then rolling it into the next one because it's not taxed at all when you do the cash out refinance because that's your money. Right. We're only refinancing up to 75% of the after renovated value. And we can't pull out any more money. We won't pull out any more money than what we put into it. Mm-hmm. So it's a nice way to keep going. When you evaluate a house to live in that you might, in your case, you always have moved out of and you've rented out after the fact, what are the things that you look for? I've always moved into a house where I knew I had to do work. Great neighborhoods, near schools. So I like buying near schools. It keeps a lot of the creepy crawlers away, I found. Right. My kids like playing on the playgrounds of the schools. So that's been a natural draw for us to location for our own primary homes. Is your significant other on board with always moving into a fixer-upper? Because I know sometimes that can be a a relationship issue. That's a whole nother show. (laughs) And having them involved in the business too, that's a third show. We'll put that on the schedule for another time, but... We like work. I can't say that work is something that we shy away from. And there's nothing like having a home and making it your own. So I don't want to buy somebody else's dream or the vision that they had. I'd rather buy a worn out old home that you feel good tearing it apart because you're like, oh, this is junk. And then the hard part is when you do the kitchen and you move the microwave into the living room of the extra bedroom and, and a mini fridge and mm-hmm. <laughs> go stay with grandma for a few nights here and there. So. And you said you have kids. So what is that like when you move in and you're moving into a fixer upper, you got a family, if you're doing that frequently, what's the experience like just from a family perspective? It is not the most stress-free environment, but at the same time, I have two daughters who each love tools. And when we're working on things, whether it's a house that we bought to renovate or it's our own home, everyone likes number one. One of the best toys of all time is a cardboard box. Well, our cardboard boxes come with Phillips head screws and flathead screws and a screwdriver for each. And then they sit there and they just, they'll screw the screws in and have a good time using the tools. And I'll come down the stairs sometimes and my daughter will be taking a doll or something and like hitting the wall. And I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm fixing the wall. I'm like, obviously. Okay. Well, let's go have some cereal. I mean, and so, <laughs> uh, it, it's all about just having fun with it. I mean, most of our renovations, we don't actually do ourselves. We like to do a lot of our work in our own house because one, we're here Two, it like looks us in the face. So it kind of forces you to take a little bit more action instead mm-hmm. of sitting down and watching a TV show. But there's an inherent joy you get out of changing something with your own hands. I just don't want to do it all the time. (laughs) Let's switch gears a little bit. You've got 18 units now. How do you manage them? 
the past year, I thought the best way to do that was by hiring an employee. That's not necessarily but, the best idea. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. We're spread out everywhere across the country, right? So we do have property management in DC because that property is also, we get on the National Historic Landmark list. It's a mid-century modern home. And so the gentleman we hired to oversee the project is actually doubling as our property manager. We basically take all the calls and everything. And if there's a problem, we're like, oh, hey, Mike, could you just go over there and see what's going on? And he puts eyes on it and it's done and taken care of. Geneseo, where I live, is about 30 minutes east of Davenport and some of the other cities we have properties in here. So I just recently have moved away from having an employee manage them to hiring property management. And I really... I'm getting comfortable with the idea of having a property manager because it frees up so much of my time to be able to do other things like find new deals, secure new financing, or better yet, like doing mentoring and coaching other investors in success. Mm-hmm. So. Have you looked at how much you've paid per unit? The reason why I ask is because I did some quick math whenever we've got the $250,000 of gross income that's coming in and then I took 250,000 and I divided by 18 units divided that by 12 months and that's $1,157 on average rent that's coming in per unit so I was wondering how much on average are you paying per unit and just wanted to see what that ratio is of rent to purchase price it's a good question and I never thought about doing that with my own portfolio but now I kind of feel like I have to. It's hard with ours because some of them have been our personal homes. So that's not great because one house we have in DC, we paid 400 and... Yeah, that would, that would kill the model. That just, kill, that just <laughs> killed it there, right? So we've got some class A properties that we lived in that have gone to rent. Is that $400,000 property cash flowing? Yeah. What do you rent it for? $3,600 a month. Huh. And that's low. It's it really it's on an acre of land within walking distance to the DC Metro. It's thirty five hundred square feet. It's got a pool. It's on a hill. It's really a great property. But the tenants are awesome. It's four adults that have just wanted to live in kind of like in a space that felt like Shangri La, I guess. And to them, our house did. But we're doing a full renovation while they're living in it, including structural renovation. Really, part, part of the agreement. So. The cash flow in that shall be greater at some time in the future. Mm-hmm. Our cash cow that I talked about, and I'm kind of skipping ahead. Maybe I shouldn't say it now because you're going to ask me what my best <laughs> deal ever was. Well, you're just going to have to come up with two then. No, no. Okay. I can do that. I better be able to have two. So <laughs> the first duplex we bought in Evanston, it was in 2012 when the market was just in Chicago. I mean, properties lost more than 50% their value from when it peaked, right? So I got really lucky and I say lucky, but just working hard and the right opportunity came along and I found this and I walked in and I wrote a check that day and it's a Fannie Mae home path property, I believe. And I wrote the check and I was like, buy it. It's a, oh, come with their highest and best and fireman. I was like, okay, so we can put all of the cash that we have, which was like only $40,000 more. And I'm like, we can throw it all and then throw a prayer and a wish and light some sage and shake that at it to our <laughs> offer and hopefully get it. And if we don't, we'll find another one. And that's just kind of the mentality we had. And when that call came in, I was actually on fire training ground and we were doing evolutions. 
And I said to my captain, like, this is about my house. And he was like, okay, go ahead. So I was tucked into the fire truck, trying to wheel and deal, getting this deal to happen. And I don't know if it's because we threw $40,000 extra cash on our offer. I have no idea why we got bid because the neighbors all told us they were happy to tell us that we weren't the highest bidder Mm. because they of course found out in public record what we paid for it. So not quite sure what we did right, but we really did it right. And we paid $280,000 for it. And it just recently appraised at 700,000. So I'll take that. That's a great one. And it's renting right now for the whole building at about $5,200 a month. And we're under market rent, but we have a couple of really great families who are in there now and they want to stay. And there's something about the easiness of business that I'm willing to pay for. And mm-hmm. we really like having them and they're great to the property. At this point, I imagine you just keep the, keep the positive vibes about that property going. You let whoever was living there to help you with that good karma continue to stay there as long as you're making a good profit and you've, you've clearly got a lot of built-in equity right at purchase. Right. And that equity, we've already had our banks look at and they're happy and willing to let us roll that equity into something bigger. And we're trying to get into bigger properties, like 20 plus, 40 plus apartment buildings, because the truth is once you master a duplex, you've pretty much just taught yourself how to do a bigger building. It's just a matter of a multiplication table and more people that you can afford to pay to help you do the work. So we're kind of looking forward to that in our future for this year. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? My best real estate investing advice is that as a new investor, before you do anything else, get to know who you are as an investor. You need to determine who you are, your business is, and you need to apply your vantage point on life to how you plan on doing business in real estate. How do you recommend someone approach that? Because I don't know what my answer would have been before I got started to that question. You know, it's a really good question. And it's something I've been working on recently as I've been approached more and more by both first-time investors and investors have been doing it for a while. They've been like, wow, how'd you do that in a year? And so I've had to kind of ask them what they've been doing. And they're like, well, somebody told me it was a good deal. So I bought it. I made it work. And I was like, are you happy? And they're like, no, I I actually wish I did some of the things you were doing. I was like, okay, well, you know, then I, I talked to them about who they were as a person. And I realized there are like six different questions people needed to ask themselves as far as who they are as an investor. And I feel like each of these different questions that they have to ask themselves, there's a scale, there's a continuum, and they're one of two directions. You know, they lie somewhere on this spectrum. And Mm -hmm. one of the things is they need to realize what their goals are. There's another hard question. So again, this could have another hundred shows on how to decide who you are as a real estate investor. But in setting goals, you need to figure out what are you looking to accomplish? Are you looking for financial freedom? Are you looking for an extra couple hundred dollars a month? And setting goals also includes figuring out your exit strategy. And a lot of people don't think about how do I get out of this before they get in it? Because it's kind of counterintuitive. You're so worried about what's on the front end of things. You can't begin to think about what's on the back end of getting out and selling off the properties. It's really important. A lot of us here in the Quad Cities, my investor group I go to on a regular basis, we just lost like our patriarch of our group. He just recently passed away. And if it taught me anything, it was to divest sooner than you have to, because he had started the process like a year or two ago and was just down in the last few properties. And he unfortunately grew ill and passed away recently. And we all just kind of looked at each other and were like, yeah, we got to plan on getting out sooner than our friend did. So when you're setting your goals, planning an exit strategy along with what you really want now, what you want in five years, and when do you want to get out of it is really important. 
The next you need to think about what your abilities or currency are that you're going to use moving forward. So there's a number of different types of currency you can use. You can use relationships, you can use money, you can use equity, you can use your own personal skills or your time. So what are you going to use to move you forward? Then you break that down further and you're looking at what's my financial strategy? How much cash do I have? Who can I borrow from? What's my credit history? So it's kind of like your resources that you would use to actually get started in real estate investing. Makes sense. I feel like I'm going to run out of time here, Joe. There's like six different term, like Oh, right, right, right. Yep. We have just a little bit of time left. So can you summarize quickly? The next one would be involvement. How involved do you want to be on a day-to-day level? Real easy. Property manager or you self-manage? That's breaking it yep. down really simple. And the next one would be the attachment to your investment. I've heard many smart people say an investment is nothing more than a vehicle. And you use a vehicle to get from place A to place B. But a lot of people fall in love and get attached to whatever it is they're buying. And that's when they pay too much in the first place. They make it better than it should be. And a lot of times it just causes them to freeze up because they're protecting something they love versus the vehicle that gets them from one place to another. The next one is risk aversion, whether you love it or you hate it. That'll tell you what kind of class properties typically people are drawn to. Mm -hmm. And by class properties, A class being new, high end. I believe you have something on your website or that just come out on Facebook about the different classes of property. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. So it's somewhere. I'm sure you can find it on my website. <laughs> floating around there. It's, or it's, it's floating around It's somewhere. on Facebook. If you like his page, it shows up in your feed. There but you go. It talks about A, B, C property. And class D is, if you like risk, you can get into that, but know what you're doing. But if you don't like risk, maybe you want a nicer property in a better neighborhood with people you feel more comfortable with. And then the last one is really experience and education and investment. If you can figure out where you are on those six different levels, you will get to better know who you are as an investor. And my advice is do not start real estate investing until you know who you are. And just so I have those written down correctly, what was the first? I got two, three, four, and five, I believe. What was number one? The abilities to, to identify your goal first? Goals. But, okay, goals. Got and it. And then abilities or currency or your resources, however you want to put that. So goals is number one. And then involvement's number two, correct? Involvement's three. Goals. Oh, involvement's three. Got it. Goals, then abilities or currency, then involvement, then attachment, like a pride and ownership kind of thing, then risk aversion, and then experience and education and investment. There it is. Okay, cool. Otherwise known as G-A-I-A-R-E. Gary. I used to study Scrabble words on the subway from Brooklyn to Manhattan when I had my full-time job. I'd study two and three-letter Scrabble words, and I'd go to the Washington Square Park on the weekends and see all the Scrabble masters play the wonderful, exciting game of Scrabble. So maybe that would be another fun exercise that we can do later. But yeah, there's definitely a Scrabble word or two with these letters. Yeah, or we could even change the words up a little bit to make the Scrabble work for us. Oh, wow. Exactly. Even better. Even better. Yes. Hack Scrabble. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Uh, Let's do it. Okay. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Remember to get your free deal analysis tool for your flips at fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. That's F-U-N-D-T-H-A-T-F-L-I-P.com forward slash best ever. It will detail your scope of work help you analyze if the project's profitable and make a determination on the max purchase price. Fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Best ever listeners, it is here. Well, it's almost here. February 24th and 25th. The conference, the best ever conference. Have you signed up yet? Oh, if you haven't, 
You better sign up right now. It's going to sell out. BestEverConference.com. I'm going to be there. A bunch of the guests who you've heard interviewed on the show are going to be there. Just go to BestEverConference.com and look at all the speakers that you're going to hear from that will help you move your business forward in 2017. I want to meet you in person. The best ever guests who are speaking at this event want to meet you in person. And people who haven't been interviewed on this podcast who are speaking at the conference, they want to meet you in person. Go to besteverconference.com. Best ever book you've read? Anything and Everything by Malcolm Gladwell. I have not heard or read that Malcolm Gladwell book. My favorite one of his is Blink. No, no, and... no. That's not no. That's not a book. That is every Malcolm Gladwell book. All of them. Those are oh, all my... <laughs> that's why I haven't heard of it. Like... Now, now he's going to write that book, and then we're going to get credited for it. <laughs> I was like, well, I consider myself a pretty well-read person in terms of Malcolm Gladwell stuff. Okay, got it. So anything Malcolm Gladwell, my personal recommendation is Blink. Which one's your favorite of his? Oh, tipping point's good. It depends on what you need in your life. If you need to figure out how to be, come out from underneath being the underdog, then David and Goliath is your book of the day. So Blink's awesome. Tipping point. He sees things in a way. I think it's on one of the back of one of his books. The intersection between science and society. Like he finds taking one thing, applying it to another and making it work for you and just be great. And that's where I find the people I've mentored. That's what they've done. So I just adore everything he does. Best ever deal you've done. I will skip the Evanston one and I'll go into, there's a new city that we're focusing on in Iowa because in the Quad Cities and Iowa specifically, because they're not Illinois, there's going to be some amazing growth in business and industry there. So I bought a duplex for $43,000 just recently. We've got a renovation probably of seven and that should bring in about 1450 bucks a month between the two. So not too bad of a deal. Best ever way you like to give back? Teaching. A lot of people, they say to learn. I think it was actually, again, it was like one of your podcasts. Somebody had mentioned the way people learn and they're seeing, there's hearing, there's doing. Well, for me, teaching is my best learning modality. So it's probably why I'm drawn to teaching others. What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate so far? <laughs> um, I didn't know who I was as a real estate investor when I got started a year ago. So I probably should have started not doing what I was doing, though I'm happy I was successful start growing with these small single families and smaller multifamily units. I should have jumped right into apartment investing right away. And what's the best place the best ever listeners can get in touch with you? You can send me an email. It's Megan, M-E-G-H-A-N, at McCullumHoldings.com. Megan, thank you for being on the show and sharing your story and the tried and true method that you do buying a property, renovating it, renting it out, doing a cash out refinance and rolling those funds into another deal. And one thing, I mentioned this earlier, we talked about it briefly, that blew my mind when I did my first, actually my only cash out refinance on a single family house. I've done that on apartment communities, but on single family houses, that money is not taxed when you do a cash out refinance because it's your money to begin with. So pretty cool right there in case best ever listeners you're not familiar with that i'm sure most of you are already and then talking about the six steps one identify your goals two identify your ability or currency three your involvement and level four the attachment to it certainly you do not have an emotional attachment towards your primary residences because you're bouncing around and you're renting them out 
whereas some people might five heuristic version level and then six experience and education so thanks for much for being on the show hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon thanks a lot joe best ever listeners it is here well it's almost here february 24th and 25th the conference the best ever conference have you signed up yet oh if you haven't you better sign up right now it's gonna sell out besteverconference.com i'm gonna be there a bunch of the guests who you've heard interviewed on the show are going to be there. Just go to besteverconference.com and look at all the speakers that you're going to hear from that will help you move your business forward in 2017. I want to meet you in person. The best ever guests who are speaking at this event want to meet you in person. And people who haven't been interviewed on this podcast who are speaking at the conference, they want to meet you in person. Go to besteverconference.com.